ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Bobby Gibson. I'm Josh Cleaver. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chicken. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your labrum and you can go on the You know what? <laughs> it's only game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hold on, bitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer to the best of the Akron Zips. Now, it's time for SPT. Ladies and gentlemen, from Northeast Ohio and beyond, this is the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. This is Sports Power Talk live from the University of Akron. You likely know who I am, but in case you don't, my name is Jake Murren, and I'm the host of the show. Joining me today are two great analysts. First, he's the biggest Zips fan in existence I know it's going to be a wild couple of days for this man. He is, however. Let's go, Zips! And second, he is a man of many trades. He has done stand-up comedy, trained in Muay Thai, and hosts his own podcast called Not Your Everyday MMA. He is Alex Henry. Hello, Akron. How are we doing? We have a stacked show for you all today. We'll kick it off with college football, Akron Zips, winners and losers. And the college football playoff will will dominate that conversation. Also, Hot Mike will be in the first segment for the first time ever. In half an hour, we're going to discuss the Browns' win over the Bengals last Monday night, the NFL trade deadline, and do our NFL pickums. At the top of the next hour, we'll transition away from football and talk baseball and basketball. Then... The reason why this edition of Sports Power Talk is so stacked, is so huge, is so special, is because we'll be joined by a fantastic in-studio guest around 12.30. If you follow us on Twitter at WZIP Sports, then you already know who I'm talking about. For those of you that didn't see it, then here it goes. We will be joined by the head coach of the Akron Zips men's basketball team who launches their season tomorrow night at home. Yes, Coach John Gross will be live on air with us in studio in just an hour and a half. Guys, how do we feel about that? I am pumped up to get Coach Gross in here on air. Ooh, We've been working on this for a while, and it's finally fallen into place. Like you said, the season starts tomorrow. What there's no better circumstance than it happened today. Opening night tomorrow, Coach Gross in today. It's going to be a wild few days. I mean, pure excitement, Jake. Who's talked to John Gross? Not many. We are going to be the ones telling the people 
where he's going to be the one telling the people through 88.1 what they need to know for this preseason. That's a crazy thing to think about, and I'm really looking forward to see what he has to say about the Zips basketball team this season. Yeah, some very exciting things going up here at WZIP on 88.1. John Gross joining us at 12.30. We promise you won't want to miss that. But let's get right into the show. Rather than talking about Zips basketball right now, we'll talk about Zips football right now. Uh. Of course, they were (laughs) off this weekend, but they will play their last home game of the season this Tuesday night at 7 p.m. against Eastern Michigan. Because who doesn't love some Tuesday night election? Night, by the way, Maction. The Zips, of course, coming off of a brutal 27 to 9 loss to the Miami Redhawks. Let's talk about the upcoming matchup against Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan is third in the MAC West behind Toledo and Ball State. And they're two and three in conference play with wins over Western Michigan and Ball State. And, it had, and they also had a narrow loss to Toledo last week. Before we get into keys for the game for a Zips win, what do you guys think of the overall matchup against the Eastern Michigan Eagles? I won't lie. I like it. Um, Even though I don't really have high hopes for us to win this game, I do think it is a winnable game, um, especially with it being the last home game of the season. Um, I expect to see more fans there than usual at our game to uh, finish out supporting the Zips for the season. I like the matchup, but, you know, like you were saying, Eastern Michigan is third in the MAC West, and we know the MAC West is way better at football than the Mac East. Um, I do like it, though. I We just got to see how our defense plays, honestly. You know, Pat, I like the matchup, but I don't like how the Zips have been playing, and that's what's really hard for me with this. I, I, gotta, I don't see a win here. I do not I, see I a win here. I think we can here. pull it out because up until that loss against Miami, the last two games that we had played were actually very close, including a narrow sure. loss to Kent State, which I was very surprised about. Now, I don't know where the team that was playing against Kent State went against Miami, but if if we can play like how we played against Kent State all year round, there is no reason why we should be sitting at 1-8. and eight. We should at least have four wins on the year if we played like that all season. So I think that if we can play like that, like how we did going into that, we knew that was a high-profile game for us. We knew we had a chance at actually winning the wagon wheel. We need to go in this game with the same attitude, the same mindset. Like, we can win this game. It's our last home game of the season. Let's be honest. The last time the Zips didn't have a one-win season, it's been a while. I think last year we might have had two. If Correct me if I'm wrong. I think we had two last year over Bowling Green and uh, whoever played at the beginning of the season. I forget the FBS school that we played. But I, I do think we can win this game. I think it's a very winnable game. We just have to shape up on defense, and also our line has to block. Mm-hmm. Because we went from allowing almost no sacks against Kent State, protecting DJ Irons very, very well, allowing him to work in the pocket, to... He was getting absolutely manhandled by Miami's defense. Yeah, the Eagles excel at the at running the football. They have 17 touchdowns on the ground this season compared to 13 through the air. So I'm expecting Samson Evans, who is averaging five yards a carry this season, to have a huge game Tuesday night. I asked for everybody here to bring up one key to the game for a Zips win on Tuesday night against the Eagles. Alex, I'll go to you first. What do the Zips have to do? to pick up their second win on the year. Yeah, Jake, for me, it's simple. you got to finish on offense. We move the ball okay when the offensive line is blocking, like Pat said, uh, but the Zips are 34, or they're 34.8% on third down completions. Not really bad, but it's it's still pretty rough. Uh, that's not a good stat. Uh, so if we can convert those, 
when we get in the red zone actually score, it's going to help us a lot. Our defense, we can't depend on them. We do score, but there's a lot of times where we struggle to score, so we just have to keep it a high-scoring game, uh, and I think that's going to be our biggest key to win. I agree. I, I like that, that we need to keep the offense going. We need to keep them hot. Feed Shockey. He's one of the best receivers in the nation. Keep feeding him the ball. He will get us the points. He will get us the yards. Keep feeding Shockey the ball. The other thing I think we need to do is stop, limit the penalties. I know last week, mm-hmm. Jeff Undercuffler, who is our backup quarterback, got a, uh unsportsmanlike conduct penalty and then thrown out of the game, and he wasn't even on the field. And that's just one of the many, many stupid penalties that we allow game in and game out. It, it's just we need to limit the penalties. I know that we're kind of a rough team. Um, we're not very disciplined. We don't Winning is kind of foreign to this program, but we need to just calm down. You know, the refs, yes, they will make bad calls. Don't get in their faces because they will throw the flag. They're not afraid to throw the flag, especially against us. We've seen it time and time again where we let our emotions get the best of us. We let the emotions run out onto the field, and we cannot let that happen. Um, the other thing is our defense, we have to we have to stop the run. We managed to stop the run very, very, uh, very, very well against Kent State, I thought, for the first half. If we can do that, but for the entirety uh, of the game, there's no reason why we can't walk away with a win. Since, like you said, Eastern Michigan relies very heavily on the run game. Their quarterback only has 1,000 passing yards this season. Hmm. He hasn't really thrown the ball at all. We need to stop the run because if we can force him, if we can force Eastern Michigan to be uncomfortable with throwing the ball, which they've shown that they are, we can win this football game. Yeah, I completely agree with everything that you had to say there. And that penalty against the backup quarterback, just another showing of why this team is foreign to winning and my my uh key for a zips win on tuesday night against the eagles actually pretty much correlates with what alex had to say i have turning yards into scores how many times have we come up here and talked about dj irons throwing for 300 plus sometimes even 400 plus yards dj irons leading the team in rushing shocky jacques louis you mentioned him pat receiving 100 plus yards Yet we're putting up low-scoring games like last week against Miami when we only scored nine points. Of course, turnovers are killing us. Penalties are killing us. But it's hard to get around the fact that we're not scoring many points, but yet we're getting the yards to go along with it. Mm-hmm. We're, we're getting the yards. But what really kills us is, like I said, the penalties. Because we'll get down to a very manageable like third and one, third and two, and then we'll get two or three snaps in a row where it's like false start, false start, delay of game. And now all of a sudden that third and two is now a third and 20. And then that forces us out of field goal range. We can't score. Then there's a possibility we have to go on it for a fourth and long, and that doesn't work very well. The other thing I want to touch on, too, is I know we get a lot of short fourth downs in enemy territory. I know that you want to attack that. You want to go for it because if you get it, the drive still goes. That wipes momentum from the other team. But we have to. the play calling has to be better than that because there are too many times when it's fourth and one, fourth and two. We go for it. And we try to run a QB draw up the middle when the entirety of the defense is packed in the middle. They know we want to give it to DJ on that. Take the points while you can take them. Because if we can keep adding on the points, eventually that lead will grow to a spot where all of a sudden the opposition, they can't dig themselves out of that hole. But we haven't allowed ourselves to do that. On almost every fourth and short, we've gone for it. Take the points. Unless it is a game-winning drive, take the points. And I want to ask, like, I, w- I wish I had Coach Moorhead. Like, what are you doing with these guys that are constantly getting penalties? Like, like if I'm coach, you come into practice after that game, 
I'm I'm taking you to the stadium and you're running bleachers. <laughs> I mean, you're going to run bleachers and you're never going to have a penalty again. You're going to be sick. You're going to want to leave my football team because how many ble- I it's it's one thing to say, "All right, guys, we got to fix penalties," but there's got to be a discipline there and there's obviously not. So I don't know what he's doing at practice in terms of these guys with their penalties, but for me, I'd be making them run the indoor track all all practice <laughs> until they puke. I don't know. I it's it's pretty sad, yeah. I will give coach Moorhead this. I know that going into this season that we all had very high hopes because for the first time in four or five years, we actually had a head coach that we knew we could rely on. Obviously, the product on the field has not been very good, but I give him the benefit of the doubt because a lot of these players, they are in their senior year. They will be graduating. We're going to be losing a big portion of our team, but the way that I look at it is that is a big portion of the team that Tom Arth brought in. Yes, I'm not saying that those players that Tom Arth brought in, they're not good. No, they're fantastic athletes. They've shown that they can, they, they know what they're doing. But like we said, the decision-making, the discipline, all four years that Tom Arth was here, we saw no discipline from this team. That's why these penalties are still rolling in like how they're rolling in. You can't just change something that they've been doing for almost all four years that they've been here. I remember I think one of the announcers said that the only active player on our roster that's ever beat Kent State or been on our roster when we won the wagon wheel is Bubba. And that was his freshman year. And that was, I believe he said it was five years ago. And we look at this, but I, like I said, I give Coach Moorhead the benefit of the doubt. You don't have the athletes and you don't have the recruits that you want to bring in. You're working with what you got. Yes, we did land big names in the transfer portal. Phenomenal athletes like Shockey. But moving forward, I think this team's going to improve because Coach Moorhead will be bringing in his brand of football to this. Not bringing in and working with what Tom Arthur brought in, but bringing in his own new brand. And I think we will improve in the future. I just want to see if we can manage to get a two, maybe even three win season to finish out. Yeah, well said, Pat. And I'm not in the business of entertaining the conversation of is Joe Moorhead the answer quite yet? I completely agree with you. If anything, that conversation should be had next season. And while we're on the conversation of college football and our Akron Zips, the college football scene right now is on fire. Of course, the college football playoff rankings were revealed for the first time last week. So before we get to who our four teams would be after week 10, let's just have some quick reactions to the first college football playoff rankings because a lot of people had some different opinions on whether Tennessee deserved that top spot. So if you didn't see the rankings, it was Tennessee, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, and then the first three teams out of the top four were Michigan, Alabama, and TCU. So Tennessee, did they deserve that number one spot before what happened last night? They did not, and I I will say they deserved to not have been number three or number four wherever they were ranked. However, they did not deserve to jump Georgia in that. That's why I think Georgia beat them so bad and gave... Tennessee nightmares last night because they were playing with that chip on their shoulder. How how are both teams who were undefeated in the SEC, right? How, how does Georgia, who won the national championship, now granted, I don't think Georgia is, I don't think they des- they're deserving of the number one spot in the nation. I will admit that. I think that should be going to Ohio State. But Georgia has to realize they're like, wait, we just dropped, even though we won our game, we're undefeated too, but somehow Tennessee jumps them after playing a worse opponent than who Georgia was. And then Georgia... Their defense came in and they handled their business. And they showed why they deserve to be number one and why Tennessee should not have been number one at all. Alex, any thoughts on the Tennessee Tennessee Volunteers ranked first? Yeah, I 100% disagree. I mean, I why would why would Tennessee not have been one? They were beating all of these teams 
scoring 40 points. I mean, you look at their game versus Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky, 44-6. Very impressive. I, they, they beat LSU 40-13. And then, obviously, the huge game ver, versus Alabama. There's nothing in my mind that tells me that this team, who's scoring over 40 points a game, sometimes 59, sometimes 63, sorry, Akron, like, is that's incredible. That team, at that time, should have been number one. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Alex. I think the Volunteers deserve that number one spot. They had bigger wins than Georgia did at the time, bigger wins than Ohio State had at the time. And like you said, Alex, they're dominating most of their teams they're facing. So I completely agree. Tennessee deserved to be number one. I don't think there was much disagreement of the rest of the list. But after week 10, obviously a lot of things shook up. Tennessee lost to Georgia and LSU beat Alabama. So who are guys' top four teams after week 10. My top four teams are Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, and TCU. Ohio State number one? uh, Yes, I don't like the Buckeyes. It's well known that I don't like the Buckeyes very much, but I do think that they deserve the number one, even though it was a very rough game against Northwestern. Those 40-mile-an-hour wind gusts were brutal that game. But I will admit, though, C.J. Stroud did not look like C.J. Stroud when he was out on the field. He did not have a very good... Um, performance against Northwestern, but I do think they should be number one. If you look at all the teams that they've played, you look at the wins that they have, they should be number one. They've beat multiple ranked opponents, and yet they're still at number two. I, I think they're deserving of the number one spot. Well, I'd like to disagree, but I'm interested to see what Alex has to say for his top four. Pat, I love, I'm going to 100% agree with you. I mean, Let's go. Ohio State number one, I got Georgia at two, Michigan at three, and I actually put Tennessee at four, and that's a really hard pick between Tennessee and TCU, and I won't even get into it because it was basically a coin flip before the show. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you put Tom Brady in his prime in those weather conditions that they were playing in, and he's not going to give you not a, doing a over 150. I mean, those conditions were awful. So, I, yes, I mean, it wasn't great, but I don't think anybody would have played great. They still won. They're still the best team in college football, and they deserve to be number one. They have arguably the most high-powered offense in college football. So Ohio State has beaten Notre Dame in their first game. Notre Dame was ranked at the time, and then they beat Penn State. That was their only two opponents that were ranked that Ohio State has wins over. For me, Georgia's more impressive. They beat Oregon dominantly in week one they beat florida and of course they beat tennessee last night so my top four is georgia ohio state michigan i think those top three teams are really really easy to pin down if you want to have the debate of ohio state georgia for one and two i get it but i really think georgia deserves that number one spot after what happened yesterday and then number four i agree with alex i think it's a coin flip if it's tcu or if it's Tennessee, personally, I went with TCU. And a lot of people are saying that they don't have the strength of schedule. Personally, I think they do. They have wins over Oklahoma, Kansas, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State. Now, some of these teams aren't impressive, but at the times they played them, they were impressive they wins. Weren't, especially with Kansas, when Kansas started off the season 5-0. and They started off that season undefeated, or this mm-hmm. season undefeated. And TCU went in and they handled them like they were nothing. I think TCU is a very impressive program. Um, unlike what we saw out of Cincinnati last year, I think if you allow TCU to be ranked number four, I actually think they have a shot at going to the national championship if you rank them at number four. Where I know, like Cincinnati last year, everybody's saying, you know, this is why you don't rank non-Power 5 conference teams, or that's why you don't allow them in the top four, because Cincinnati, quite frankly, got embarrassed on national television, and they lost in a very, very, very bad fashion. 
I think TCU can replace that, and I think they have a chance of actually going in and handling their business. They're a very good football team. I don't see why they shouldn't be number four. Hopefully they'll be number three because hopefully Michigan will eventually lose to Ohio State, and that would allow the top four, in my mind, by the college football playoffs uh, would be Ohio State, Georgia, Tennessee, and TCU. I don't understand those four. Yeah, and I don't understand why you think Florida is a big win for Georgia. I mean, they they're awful. My my thing they're with not even good. Georgia, they're is like four and four. The one game with Georgia that hinders them in the number two is uh, the game against Kent State. That's yeah, the only Kent game. Beat that, them. That's the only game that hinders why I don't have them at number. Their four. only big win besides Tennessee yesterday, in my mind, is Oregon. But even Oregon now, I mean, still good, but that's one. They only have the one, and Ohio State, as we saw, it was a very close game against Penn State until the last, what, four minutes of the game, and they scored four unanswered touchdowns in four minutes. You don't see teams doing that very often. Yeah, but that was against the six, I believe it was the 12th-ranked Penn State Nittany Lions at the time. I mean, Georgia beat Tennessee, who was ranked number one. But still, you have have to look at... I think there's something to be said there. There is, 100%. That's why I have them at two. They don't deserve your number one. They deserve number one. They no. will be at number one. But let's talk about Tennessee. Obviously, they were ranked number one. They lose to Georgia. How far do you guys have Tennessee dropping? I have them falling to five, especially after Clemson's loss to Notre Dame last night. I have them falling to five. Um, and I do have Alabama actually falling into, I think, eight or nine yeah, coming think... up. Because when's the last time? Okay, let's talk about this. When's the last time we didn't see Alabama? Other than, like, what was it, last year, I think? When's the last time, and I would love to see this for like a next season thing, when's the last time you saw a college football playoffs without Ohio State and without Alabama? Yeah. yeah. Are you meaning Clemson and Alabama? No, without Ohio State okay. and without Alabama, like both at the same time. Like when's yeah. the last time you saw that? Yeah, it's great. I want to see that because like, yes, I understand everybody in Ohio likes the, or mostly everybody in Ohio likes the Buckeyes, but at the same time, you have to be sick and tired, especially for an outlier fan like me where I'm not an Ohio State fan. It's so boring to watch the same teams go to the national championship every single year. It is the most boring thing to watch. It's like when the Warriors went to the finals for like five years in a row. Who wants to watch that? I don't want to watch the same teams go out there. I don't want to watch Nick Saban go out there every single year, almost get a ring every single year. I don't like it. So I think this is a good thing. Yeah, that's why I'm a proponent of expanding the college football playoff. Whether you want to argue if 12 is too much, that's another conversation. But I'm a proponent of expanding the college football playoff. And I agree with you, Pat. I have Tennessee at 5, and then I have LSU at 6, Oregon at 7, and then Alabama. I agree that 8 to 10 range is probably the the best place for the Crimson Tide. Let's put a bow on college football and week 10. By doing winners and losers, we always love the winners and losers segment for college football. We'll start with winners. Alex, give me a winner for week 10. Georgia. They beat Tennessee. Not only did they beat them, but they beat them 27-13. I think at one point it was 21-3 in the in the first half. That's insane. I got to give it to Georgia. I think I have to give mine to LSU for thank you on behalf of everybody in America that's not an Alabama fan. So almost everybody, thank you for allowing us that win because we needed that. We needed a two-loss Alabama season. I love it when Alabama loses. It makes me smile knowing that their fans are so upset. It, it just it brings a smile to my face. It really does. When Alabama loses, America wins. America wins. Same thing with the Yankees. Yep. Everybody knows it. Yeah, I have the LSU Tigers as my winner as well. Not only did they beat Alabama 32-31 to last night in Baton Rouge, 
but they improved to 7-2, and two, have an easier remaining schedule to win the SEC West. And if they can win the SEC over Georgia, which is no easy task, then their path to the playoff is very clear. Let's go to losers. Sometimes losers can be more fun and entertaining. Alex, give me your loser. Texas A&M is got to be my loser. They played with pretty much their entire team on a flu outbreak. Uh, they're starting left guard, quarterback, two starting wide receivers, a backup wide receiver. Both of their starting and both of their backup defensive end, their starting defensive tackle, their starting linebacker, and all of their corners and safeties were pretty much out in this game. They lost. Now they're 3-6, and six, and who knows if they're even going to make a bowl game considering it's Texas A&M, so they are my big loser. I, I will say this. Texas A&M thinks every season that they can buy their way into having one of the best recruiting classes. Every single season they do it. And every single season there's that big hype around them. And they always fall mm-hmm. short because they are frauds. They are frauds. Don't buy into the hype of Texas A&M. Don't do it. They're frauds. So your loser is Texas A&M as well? Okay, that was my original loser, but I'm okay. going to change it up for sure. the sake of changing it up. I'm going to give my loser to Miami because you got killed yeah. by Florida State. That's all I got to say. 45-3. to three. That's that's like an Akron score. That's embarrassing. You're you're the University of Miami. You're you're not supposed to lose that bad, especially the Florida State, a program that's been struggling in the recent years. Yes, they were good in the early 2000s, but ever since then they've really not had much going for them. And they came in and they handled business like no other. I was hopefully I was hoping that Vanderbilt would beat South Carolina, but they did not. That was my that was my first pick when they were winning because I just don't like Spencer Rattler. But that's a Another thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised neither of you guys had Clemson as a loser for Week 10. See, I I'm not going to go it. with Clemson, though. I'm okay. going to go with Purdue. Yeah. Purdue lost 24-3 to yesterday to Iowa at home. And if you saw the clip before their game started, their little train that was supposed to move with the team when they ran out of the tunnel broke down. It didn't work. And people had to rush to the field and push it off of the field so that they could play the game, and then they lose 24-3 at home. I also have another L, uh, another college football L that I want to give out, and that's to Tennessee, but for a different reason, for a different reason. So as we know, when Tennessee beat Alabama, they did take their goalposts down, in which a GoFundMe had started to supply the university with new goalposts. Well, when um, I believe it was Kansas won yesterday against Oklahoma State, in similar fashion, they also took down their goalposts, paraded them around, and threw them in the pond. And then they took a shot at Tennessee, which I loved. I loved this. They took a shot at Tennessee because by the time the goalposts had ended up in the pond they threw them in, they already had new ones up, and they had put out on social media, imagine eating a GoFundMe for new goalposts. That's fire. <laughs> I love that. I, That's Tennessee awesome. can take that out. You need to, dude, Kansas puts you in your place. That was just too good to not to not bring up. I saw that yesterday. Somebody, one of my friends, showed it to me, and I lost it. It was probably one of the funniest things I'd seen yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. We're up against a break, but let's get to as many hot mic questions as we can, and then we'll finish hot mic on the opposite side of the break. Of course, hot mic. If you don't know what it is already, it's where we answer your questions that you submit on our Twitter at WZIP Sports every single week. And this week we'll start with Dan Groen, yes, a WZIP Sports member up here, as he asks, "Do you think we'll get an OSU that team up north playoff game?" I would hope not because that kind of takes away the whole hype of the game. Um, but I could see it happening, possibly. I agree. 
I don't think it happens. I think if Ohio State beats Michigan, they fall out of the top four. Or if and Michigan I think, beats Ohio State. It'll, it'll go either way. Sure. But I think Tennessee would get that fourth spot okay. over Michigan because Michigan's loss would obviously come later than Tennessee. And if Tennessee can finish the season strong, then I think they have a good a good shot at that fourth spot. Uh, next, we'll go to Cam429. His, his first question is, how are your playoff four for the college football playoff as of this moment? Obviously already answered that question. So next question for Cam says, happier OSU won or Bama losing? Bama losing. Oh, and time and time again. OSU won. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, Alex. I think OSU winning is a bigger deal. I don't prey on people's downfall. I do if it's Alabama. I actually don't get the <laughs> Alabama slander. I I kind of actually, when you were talking about them in the college football playoffs and how it's boring, I enjoy watching dominance every year. Yeah, but it gets kind of repetitive. Once I love it. it it's it's love different it. if it's I like, you know, it. maybe you have a five-year stretch. I really like it. No. A lot. No. Yep, <laughs> That's an odd take there, Alex. <laughs> For me, no. I think happier OSU won because if we lost, that would be catastrophic to the rest of our season. And Bama losing, they were already outside of the top four. So that second loss, it's nice. They're not going to get in the top four. They're not going to get in the playoff this year. So it's nice, but... At the same time, I think the chances were that Alabama would likely not make the playoff anyways. Next up, Matt Permuka, a question I really don't want to read, asks, what are your guys' thoughts on former cult leader Baker Mayfield playing practice squad defensive tackle for the Panthers? I love it. I'm surprised they even put him on practice squad. I don't know what's lower than practice squad. Maybe the, the, the US worker. He should have been like working reception that day. He'll be a he'll be the starting quarterback for the uh, Michigan Panthers of the USFL next season. Well, Dan Groen asked him, like, <laughs> which XFL what's team your are you going to root Jake, for? What's your uh, thoughts? Which you got to answer your question. I mean, I'm not proud of it. Yeah. What do you want me to say? Oh, it's really embarrassing. I'm not it? proud of it. Dan Groen says, which <laughs> XFL team are you going to root for, though? My answer would be whatever team Baker Mayfield ends up on. Uh, <laughs> that would be my that, answer. Uh, is, there a, is there a Sea Dragons? Is that one of the teams? Yeah. Seattle Sea Dragons, Let's go with the Sea Dragons. Sea Dragons? Yeah, why not? Okay. I'm, I'm undecided as of now. I think the Brahmas are a pretty cool name. I might go with them. But if Baker Mayfield ends up in the XFL, I'm going to buy that jersey right away. <sighs> you already know. Is, You're so gross. That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> we'll finish up, Mike, on the other side of the break. Also, don't forget, in about an hour from now, John Gross will come in studio live on the air with us. Don't go anywhere. This is Sports Power Talk. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Best Sports Talk Show this side of Lake Erie. Of course, this is Sports Power Talk. I'm your host. My name is Jake Murren. I am joined by two great guests. First, Pat Weber. Hey, UA. And second, Alex Henry. What's up, guys? And guys, we left off the first segment in the middle of Hot Mike, so we'll finish Hot Mike first, then get right into some Browns news, the NFL trade deadline, and do our pickums for the week. But first, let's get right back to Hot Mike, and let's go to Jake Murrinagoat and all of his fantastic questions this week. First off, he says, Rip, take off. What was your guys' favorite Migo song? Alex, we do a DJ show on WZIP Tuesdays and Thursdays from 3 to 5 called Polar Opposites. I know we dedicated a lot of Tuesday's show to Takeoff and Migos. I know you're a pretty big Migos fan. So what is your favorite song? 
Ric Flair drip, baby. Every time I hear that song, Ric Flair drip, go, woo. I don't mind. This is a good <laughs> song. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I got I to gotta think. There's a lot of good ones, but I think I got to go with the song that made me like the Migos. I got to go with Hannah Montana. Wow, that's a throwback. Eh? That's that's the one that got me to like the Migos, so I got to go with that one. I totally understand everything you guys just said, so I'm going to go with Ric Flair as well. <laughs> I mean, what can I say? I'm I'm not the biggest Migos fan. I probably could not name any other song of theirs, but I'll go with Ric Flair because I'm a wrestling fan, so, there you go. so why you not? You should just said Bad and Bougie. Like, at least just, you know, have a, have a little song in there. Sure. Yeah, sure. There you go. That one. <laughs> that one. Next up, Jake Myrnagoat asks, would you want LeBron with this Cavs no. team? No, no, no. Stop it. No. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> what? No, LeBron would ruin this team. Why do you say yes, Alex? Because why not? LeBron makes every team he's on better. Uh, I think the Lakers record would say otherwise. I, That's a different argument we can have. I don't know where to go with this question because I think he could help, but at the same time, we're doing so well right now, obviously on a seven-game winning streak. And I saw on Twitter, I think the trade was Okoro and Kevin Love for LeBron James. I mean, I think you'd be ridiculous to say no to something like that. No, I'd do that in I, a heartbeat. No. Dude's still putting up. His stats are insane. Yeah, let's not season. act like I, he's, I know he's, he's, he's still not a top he's 10 not player. Good, but I'm just saying, that, like, on this team... I don't think he would He's help. He's averaging this team. 27, 10, and 10. Okay, and Donovan That's Mitchell, than like anybody Donovan in the Mitchell is right third in the MVP race right now. He's yeah. averaging the third most points in the league. I'm just we, saying. We don't I, need LeBron, too. I'm we not, have Donovan Mitchell. We, we have our I, guy now. Well, the question of need is a different question. I said, would I like him? Sure, I'd like him. No, I don't, don't think do. we need him. No, I don't, uh, no, I don't, don't, don't. We don't need him. No, 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 LeBron. I think I more so side with Alex, but I agree. Like, the Cavs are fine without him right now. Don't mess up what's already working. But at the same time, he is one of the best players of all time, if not oh, the yeah. best player of all time, playing like that right now as well. I feel like all he would do would help. That's all I'm saying. Next up, Jake Mernigot asks thoughts on the new Drake X21 Salvage al- Savage it album. slaps 21. Bang. 21. Bang. Fire. So good. Yes. Again, a question I'm clueless on. Bad Boys, shout best out, song. Shout out 21 Savage. Shout uh, out 21. He, we do ratings on Polar Opposites, Alex. What would you rate it out of 10? The album? Yeah. Nine out of ten. It's, oh. it's good. It is good. Nine out of That's ten. That's high for you. Yeah. I think it's the it's second really best album. album this year. You it's refuse really to give things a ten out of ten, Alex. It's a nine out of ten for me. I think Fun. I think it's the second best album dropped this year. First okay. one has to go Lil Baby because well, that album was pristine. Well, Polar Opposites is a show where we disagree a lot, Alex. So if you're going to go a nine out of ten, I'd likely probably <laughs> give it a three. So I'll go three <laughs> out of ten for the Drake X21 Savage album. Next up on Hot Mike, we'll go to Kelly Craig. She asked, with Tennessee's loss, do you think Ohio State will be number one, or will the committee move Georgia to the number one spot? We kind of had this argument already, but quickly, guys, what are your thoughts on that? I think Ohio State should be number one. Yes, I agree with Pat. Georgia's going to be number one. I don't know why you guys think otherwise. Georgia has more impressive wins, more dominating wins. No, they don't. Because they don't. Kent State. Do you not see them beat Tennessee yesterday? That's one. And if we're going on recency bias, Ohio State struggled against Northwestern, who doesn't have a win in North America this year. The winds hit a max of 43 miles per hour. That's dang near a tornado, Jake. And Ohio State still wasn't able to run the ball against Northwestern at times. Of course. they're gonna. What do you you think they're going to plan for? The run, Jake. Because the wind. Don't be don't be silly. Next question. <laughs> Next question is from Aaliyah Craig. She asks, is it time to forgive the Astros? 
A topic we'll get into shortly no. on Sports Power Talk, but is it time to forgive them? Never. I forgive them. Let's go Astros. No. Woo. Are you the new Jeff Longville of MLB conversations on Sports Power Talk, Alex? Are you an Astros fan now? No. I want Forgiveness is a good thing, guys. We should all forgive one another. <laughs> I think it might be time to forgive them soon. I mean, the players that were on the team that cheated, there's not many of them still on the roster. I feel very good for Dusty Baker. Again, we'll get into that conversation in about half an hour for the MLB and the World Series. But last questions for Hot Mike are from Jeff Longville. He says, given the events that transpired yesterday in college football, I believe this will be the first year the college football playoff will not include Alabama or Clemson. Do you guys agree? Yes. Yes. But you're upset by that, Alex, because you like seeing dominating football, no? No, I'm not upset. I just, I do like seeing dominating football. I mean, I'm not upset it's not happening. I want to see a refreshed slate of teams every single year, so I'm very excited. And I agree with Jeff that Alabama and Clemson out of the college football playoff will be very entertaining to see. Last question, Jeff Longville. Not a question, just a statement. Let's go Astros. That's a disgusting comment, but apparently, Alex Henry, you agree with it. Yeah, why not? Well, I, I mean, I forgive him. That's all I said. I all forgive right. him. You forgive him, but I think you also said let's go Astros. Yeah, sure. All right, well, let's get into the Browns <laughs> and the NFL. Let's talk about the Browns first, and let's recap their Monday Night Football win over the Bengals, 32-13. to A very impressive win in my eyes. I gave the Browns no shot to win this game. Alex, I know you're pretty much picking the Browns every single week they play, but what player impressed you guys the most in that game? Uh, to me, it's got to be James Hudson. Guys, the offensive line, despite suffering that in-game injury with uh, Conklin, man, they dominated the Bengals' defensive front. Uh, I mean, I think our offense ran for 172 yards on 44 carries and three touchdowns. That's amazing. Amazing. Jacoby looked very confident the entire game. So I'll give it to Hudson for being able to step up and be the big man. Because the offensive lineman, when I used to be a little chubby kid back in the sixth grade, we didn't get no credit. Even when I was a skinny kid, but they still played me at offensive line. We didn't get no credit. Give it to my boy James Hudson. I'm not giving this to a player. I'm giving this to a coach, Joe Woods, because the defense actually looked competent on Monday. The defense looked very well, especially against an offense like the Bengals. Like, yes, another at Jamar Chase, but there's no way Jamar Chase makes that much of a difference. Yeah, and we crumbled their offensive line as well. Only scored 13 points for the Bengals. Their offensive line couldn't block a fly. Yeah. My most impressive player for Monday Night Football was Martin Emerson Jr., the 68th overall pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. Against T. Higgins, three targets, two catches allowed for eight yards and didn't allow a first down. Overall on Monday night, he was targeted 10 times, allowed seven catches for only 27 yards, and again, did not allow a single first down. He stepped up big time in prime time against a divisional opponent when Denzel Ward was not available and will likely need another big performance out of Emerson Jr. for Week 10 against the Dolphins. And this brings us to our Around the Roo question where we debate around the table and bring it to you via our Twitter page at WZIP Sports. And this question is, are you still hopeful that the Browns will make the playoffs this season? I have no comment on this, but going back to Martin Martin Emerson, shout out Martin Emerson. I have his card in Madden, and it's raw. It's a raw <laughs> card, dude. Um, <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, why not? It, they need. I think they need to go two and one before Watson comes back. That would put us at five and six. I'm not good at math, guys, but give me give me the benefit of the doubt here. Then if you win out after that, you're eleven and six. We can definitely get a wild card slot with that. Is it likely with all the pressure falling on Watson's back that we might lose a game in that? Probably. So that puts us at ten and seven, and I still think there's even a chance there at ten and seven. So I will say that the Browns can make the playoffs, but they gotta at least go two and one. If we can go three and zero in our next games before Watson comes back, that'd be even better. But if we don't win at least two games, I don't see it happening. You realize those games are at Dolphins, at Bills, hosting the Buccaneers, right? I, I yeah, Buccaneers no. Well, I expect us trash. to lose. I, yeah, hundred percent. I I expect us to lose to the Bills and hopefully be able to beat Tampa Bay and um, Miami. Yeah, Miami got stacked though. Even Miami with the, even with the Buccaneers though, you can't discount Tom Brady any given week. When, I know they're not. When have I, yeah, when have I ever done that on SPT? <laughs> right. When have I, I ever? No, I agree with you, but sure, the Buccaneers are not playing well I didn't right say now. We think, but I, Jake, I didn't say I think we win these games. I'm just saying we have to if we want to make the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with yeah. that statement, Pat. Obviously, you're not a Browns fan, but do you see a path to the playoffs for the Browns? It hurts me to say this, but yes, I I do think the Browns have a chance of making the playoffs this year. Um, like Alex said, you have to win. These next two of the next three games that you will be playing are going to be some of your toughest games of the season. You're playing the Dolphins. They're going to be completely healthy, and with the upgrades they made at the trade deadline, they're, they are stacked. The Dolphins are looking to make an impact in the next few years. Um, and then the Bills. The Bills are the Super Bowl favorite this season. Um, so you just got to beat those two teams. As for Tampa Bay, I think you can sleep on Tom Brady until he retires because uh, – you lost to the Steelers, Tom, and the Panthers. So he hasn't looked good. L, you yeah. should have retired. He hasn't looked good. Like, um, dude, oh, Tom, what, what an L! Imagine unretiring just to lose to the Steelers and the Panthers. Such yeah. an L. True. The Browns are currently three and five. I think we all agree that we need at least nine to ten wins to make the playoffs. It's good that we're two and one in the division, and our remaining divisional games are after Week 13 when Deshaun Watson will be playing. But if you take a look at the schedule, without Watson, we still have Dolphins, Bills, Buccaneers. With Watson, we have Texans, Bengals, win, Ravens, win, Saints, win, Commanders, win, and Steelers. Win. You never know. This is the National Football League. Easy you never games. know. Easy games. I'm just, uh, the, okay, With, the, the one game I will say that Watson comes back that I'm not sure if you guys will win is against the Ravens. I, I will say that because they also made some impressive moves at the deadline to boost their defense. Yeah. Without Watson, though, I say the Browns go 1-2 and two at best. But I wouldn't yeah. be surprised by 0-3, oh which makes the Browns 4-7 and seven or 3-8. and eight. And then with Watson to get to 9-10 to 10 wins, you have to either win out the season or only afford one loss with some luck other places to make the playoffs. With Watson, we have tough games against the Bengals on the road and Ravens. And I think it's unrealistic to think that the Browns will go 6-0 and with Watson. So my answer is no. I'm actually not optimistic. I am not hopeful that the Browns will make the playoffs this season. Next question I have for you guys about the Browns, though, is is the bye week happening at the right time? I think so, because going into next week, your next opponent is the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, like I've been saying, they made some very impressive moves at the trade deadline so this gives you an extra week to prepare for the new players the new acquisitions to Miami that you will have to go up against uh yeah I 100% agree this is the time 
if you're going to have a bye week and say, guys, look, if you still want to make the playoffs, then work your butt off this week and let's get to it next week. Um, that I mean, that's just how it's going to be. So uh, I think it was pretty good timing. Yeah, I see it both ways. I think it came at the right time because we're coming off of a huge win in prime time that likely kept some optimism surrounding this team and our guys emptied the tank on Monday night. Also, it allows the Browns to get healthy and prepared for a tough stretch of games against the Dolphins, Bills, and Buccaneers. But I also see the other side saying it did not come right or it did not come at the right time. We're coming off of that huge win in prime time that I think we could have built on right away. I think the play calling, the use of the run game with both backs and the defense, even without Denzel Ward, looked collectively the best they've looked all year. Again, I just wasn't able to we weren't able to build on that and not let a bye week potentially disrupt any type of momentum that we established against the Bills last week. I mentioned the use of both backs, though. Should we have moved one of those backs? Of course, I'm talking about Kareem Hunt at the trade deadline. I think you should have because moving forward, I don't think the Browns have the money to extend his contract, Um, especially after paying Deshaun, and you're going to need money to end up re-signing a large portion of your team, I think you should have traded him to get some value rather than letting him walk away in free agency. So I love having him, but I, uh, yeah, I would have liked to trade him. Even, I mean, I had this conversation the other day, even if it was a, like a high draft or low draft pick, we don't have any. One, one, one fifth round draft pick's better than none. So Especially um, with Kareem Hunt and how well he plays. He is a starting running back on over half the uh, teams in the NFL. He's a starter for their team. And I think you could have gotten a first-round pick out of him, which you don't have one for the next few seasons because you traded them all to Houston. I don't think a first-round pick is fair. I I, think think the rumors were a fourth-round pick. But I agree with Alex. Any draft capital for the Browns right now is better than nothing. Now we're going to hold on to Kareem Hunt for a season that at least I don't think will mean much of anything come January. Super Bowl, baby. And then we'll let him walk in the offseason to another team and get nothing in return. So, like you said, Alex, any draft capital, fourth, fifth-round pick, I would have been fine having that for Kareem Hunt rather than just letting him walk in the offseason. Talking about the trade deadline, though, the NFL trade deadline this year was very exciting. It's usually not one of those trade deadlines in professional sports that – gets a lot of eyes and gets a lot of attention but this NFL trade deadline a lot went down and let's start recapping it by talking about TJ Hawkinson as he was traded to the Minnesota Vikings the Vikings received Hawkinson a 2023 fourth round pick and a 2024 conditional fourth round pick the Lions received a 2023 second round pick and a 2024 third round pick. The 6-1 and one Vikings added a former Pro Bowl tight end after Irv Smith Jr. went on IR with an ankle injury. What do you guys make of the Hawkinson trade? The Vikings got a steal. The Lions are so dumb for giving up TJ Hawkinson for yeah. n- without a first-round pick. He is worth, I would even say, a couple first-round picks because he's that good. He is that good of a tight end. He is a majority of the Lions' offense, and you ship them off for a second and a third, the, especially to a... Um, a division rival as well. Vikings got a steal. 
Yeah, I love how uh, I love this for the Vikings, Mister. Mr. Most Average Quarterback of All Time is what I like to call him, Kirk Cousins. I compare every other quarterback ever if they're better or worse than Kirk Cousins. That's my that's my grade. Are you better than Kirk or you're, or you're worse? It's very, very fair. You guys should try it sometime. Um, <laughs> it's very fun. Um, but, yeah, this is great for him. It's great for the whole offense, and I think they're a huge winner here. Yeah, I completely agree. The Vikings got better, and they're already 6-1, and one, have a great shot in the NFC. That hasn't shown a lot of competition this year, at least. I know the Eagles are still undefeated, but the Vikings certainly have a shot to win the NFC this year. Pat, do you want to introduce this, this next trade? <laughs> okay, when, when I was up here on Friday doing my DJ shift, I already touched on this. Um, I was distraught when this happened because I was wearing his jersey, unironically, before he got traded. I was just wearing it that day because I saw it, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to wear this today. And I got the news that my favorite wide receiver on the Pittsburgh Steelers, Chase Claypool, got traded to the Chicago Bears for their second-round pick. It hurt a lot to see Chase Claypool get traded because I love Chase Claypool. I know not a lot of Steelers fans do like him, especially after uh, our loss last year to the Vikings because of his celebration thing. I get it, but... He was one of the most electric players that we have on our offense, or that we had on our offense, on an offense that is dead last in every single category. And it hurt to see him go, but I think we got a good return out of him because I don't think he is worth a second-round pick, Um, and we got that out of him. Um, I wish him nothing but the best in Chicago, and I thank him for his time as a Steeler and for all the memories that he gave us. Yeah, according to Jacina Anderson, Claypool felt like a distraction behind the scenes, and he had been on the table for at least two weeks. Now he's on the Chicago Bears and a potential number one weapon for Justin Fields. Two more trades to get to before we get to our NFL pickums. Chubb, Bradley Chubb, and Jeff Wilson Jr. going to the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins getting stronger now with the season halfway through. Alex, what do you think of that trade? That's a huge trade for the Dolphins. That's I was pretty happy when I heard that because I'm kind of liking the Dolphins. I liked their colors when I was younger, so that's like about it. Uh, not a fan, though. But, yeah, that's a cool <laughs> trade. I, that trade was electric. I remember I was spam-refreshing Twitter to try to get the Chase Claypool pain away from my heart <laughs> when they broke that news. Um, that kind of snapped me out of it because the Dolphins are here to play. They are wanting a Super Bowl in the next two or three years they are here to play they are all about it fantastic moves by the Dolphins yeah I agree the Dolphins got a lot stronger unfortunately for the Browns we will go up against the Dolphins next week last trade I want to touch on is Calvin Ridley to the Jacksonville Jaguars the Falcons traded suspended wide receiver to the Jaguars for depending on Ridley's future with Jacksonville it could be anywhere from a second to sixth round pick And a funny factoid about this trade is that he was suspended in part due to a bet he placed on the Falcons to beat the Jaguars last season, and now he is a Jaguar himself. What do you guys think of this Ridley trade? God, I love that. When I when I saw that, oh, that that's what I was kind of laughing about. But I think it's a good trade. I it's kind of like one of those low risk trades that happen. So happy for Jacksonville. Uh, Hopefully, Calvin Ridley does well for them so the Falcons can get some draft capita. I think his career is probably over at this point, (laughs) so that's about it. (laughs) Poor guy. 
I'll yeah, be praying for him. Definitely a interesting trade to happen at the NFL trade deadline. But let's get into week nine of the NFL, and let's do our pickums. Usually we do this. About an hour from now, leading into kickoff, of course, we're saving that last half an hour for a very special in-studio live guest in head coach John Gross. You won't want to miss that. But let's do our Week 9 NFL Pick'ems, starting with the 1 o'clock slate of games for today. The Indianapolis Colts going on the road to take on the New England Patriots. Give me the Pats in this game. Give me the Pats. I agree. I'm going with the Patriots. Next up, Packers at Lions. I'm going to surprise a lot of people when I say this, but give me the Lions in this game. I think they can pull it out. Yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me, Pat. I am going to go with Green Bay here, though. Yeah, I'm going to go with Green Bay. I think this is the perfect week for them to bounce back against the Lions, who are 1-6. and six. Of course, they just dumped Hawkinson and the Packers. I have them as the biggest loser for the trade deadline, but I think they bounce back here nicely against Detroit. Chargers at Falcons. Chargers. That's a pretty easy pick mm. for me. I don't know. I'm going to go with the Chargers, but I think the Falcons can put up a fight because the Falcons have been doing a lot better this season than I initially thought. I'm going to go with the Falcons here. I respect it. The Chargers are without Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. I'm going to go with the Falcons. They are coming off of a very big game last week against the Panthers. Of course, they won that in overtime. They're mid. But it was still a competitive game. Sure. And Justin Herbert... Who knows, who knows who he's going to throw the ball to today? I like the Falcons at home. Next up, the 6-1 and one Bills going on the road to take on division rival the New York Jets, who are 5-3. and three. Give me the Jets in this game. That's not a bad pick. I'm going to go with the Bills, though. I'm going to go with the Bills as well. Vikings at Commanders. Vikings. That's, that's not a question. I also <laughs> have the Vikings. Yeah, I like the Vikings six and one. I expect them to be seven and one after today. Panthers at Bengals. I think the Bengals got this one fairly easily. I don't know though because the Panthers did have a very very good game last week despite the loss. The Bengals. Yeah, the Panthers seem to have found the answer in PJ Walker. I do like the Bengals to rebound from the Monday Night Football loss to the Browns and pick up a win to go five and four though. Next up, Raiders on the road taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Alex, what's going on with your Raiders? I don't want to talk about it, but Raiders are going to get a win today. I like the Raiders in this one, too. I like the Jaguars at home. The Raiders have been a mess. They're coming off of a 24-0 loss last week to the Saints. I like the Jags at home. Last 1 o'clock game for today, Dolphins at Bears. I'm going to take the Dolphins, but I hope Chase Claypool does well. This is my upset of the week. Upset of the week button. Boom, boom, boom. I'm picking the the Bears. The Bears. The Bears. The, the Bears. Bears. I have the Dolphins here. They got better from the tra- from the NFL trade deadline like we talked about. I think they're going to be a team to be reckoned with in the second half of the season. Only one 405 game today, and it features the Cardinals hosting the 5-3 and three Seattle Seahawks. Give me the Seahawks in this one. I agree. Give me the Seahawks. Geno Smith for MVP. Who would have thought Geno Smith would be more reliable at this point of the season than Kyler Murray? I agree with you guys. I'm going with the Seahawks today. Only one game at 425 as well. Features the Buccaneers hosting the Rams. I'll take the Rams in this one. Uh, I think the Buccaneers get their win here. I'm going to go with Tampa. I agree with you, Alex. I think the Buccaneers get the win. 820 Sunday Night Football. 
the Titans go on the road to Arrowhead to take on the 5-2 and two Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to take the Titans in this game. I think Derrick Henry's going to have probably one of the best games of his career. I'm very excited to watch this game. I'm going to go with Kansas City, though. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs as well. Now for our most important pick of the week. Only one with the Browns on by that we'll keep track of this week on Twitter at WZIP Sports. It's Monday Night Football. It's the Baltimore Ravens on the road taking on the New Orleans Saints. I know I said the Ravens were going to win, but I'm going to flip my pick. And this is going to be my upset of the week. I think the New Orleans Saints are going to walk away with the win. Wow. Well, give me the purple birds, man. That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) Rat birds. Well, in the graphic posting at 1 o'clock, Pat, hey, you are you know, picking the Ravens. Well, listen, I can see I'm fine with that, but I'm it's up in the air, but I'm going to take the Saints for now. It's fine, it's fine that the Ravens are on there because either way. So when uh, I keep track of this next week, what get, team am can, I counting for you? Uh, you can count the Saints, so if, if, this, if the uh, Ravens win, just put that loss. How about time. I just count it as a loss either way? That'll work, too, because I'm already not doing so hot in the big <laughs> Either one's Same fine. <laughs> Alex, Alex, you're in last. Yeah, I believe you're in last. I believe you're in <laughs> Well, you were 4-10. and ten. Last week, you got you went 2-0 last week. I so did. now you're 6-10, and ten, but I believe you are still in last place. I like the Ravens. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think because of the Saints' last week dominant win over the Raiders. I think it's going to be close. But I do like the Ravens winning this one on Monday night. That'll do it for our Week 9 NFL Pick'ems. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Talk about some NBA controversy and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And don't forget, half an hour from now, Akron Zips head coach comes in studio. John Gross live in studio. Don't miss it on 88.1 WZIP. What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. This is Sports Power Talk. My name is Jake Murrin. I am the host of your show today, and I'm joined by two great analysts. First, Pat Weber. Aren't you so happy I didn't do my usual uh, Ghost Dealers thing last segment? Oh, it made me so happy. Made that's, my day, Pat. That's that's because I've thrown this season out the window. This season is terrible. Until John Gross sits in this studio <laughs> in 27 minutes, that made my day. <laughs> and the second analyst joining me on today's show, Alex Henry. What's up, Akron? You ready to talk baseball, Alex? Dude, you know I am, Jake. You're Number always game. In the world. You're always game for a good talk about baseball. <laughs> of course. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into the World Series with the Astros and Phillies. Game three on Tuesday, the Phillies won 7-0. Game four on Wednesday, Houston won five to zero. Game five on Thursday, Houston won three to zero. And game six last night, Houston won four to one. Also in game four in that five zero win for the Astros, that was the second ever combined no hitter in World Series history. The Astros win three straight games, though, to win the World Series, and they are your 2022 MLB World Series champions. What did you guys make of not only the series, but essentially last night's game six deciding win? Should have been Cleveland, but I'll, you know what? I still don't like the Astros. I still haven't really forgiven them for the whole thing a few years back. Um, I wish Philly would have won, but in the absolutely dominating fashion that the Astros had, they had arguably one of the best bullpens in World Series history. 
this postseason. Um, so I, I got to give it to the Astros. They've earned my respect. I still haven't forgiven them, but good series, good run by the Phillies, and hopefully we'll see the guards there next year. Yeah, I was pretty upset. I like uh, Bryce Harper. He's a very handsome man. Um, I wish I looked like Bryce Harper, so I always <laughs> just kind of like when, he's, when he hits the field. Uh, but, yeah, you know, just because your looks can't win your World Series, I guess. I have a question. Is it because of the hair? The, and the beard. The hair and the beard. It's a it's nice It's the combination. Beard. It's a good the hair, combo. The hair, hair beard uh, combo. Yep. This hair on the Nationals used to be a lot better, though. The longer yeah. hair. I, I, no, okay, I, I will agree with that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree with you guys, though. Unfortunately, <laughs> the Astros did win the World Series. Thanks to Jordan Alvarez last night, who hit a four-run sixth inning, or a three-run home run in the sixth inning, responded to a solo home run from Kyle Schwarber in the same inning. And the Astros, they're your 2022 MLB World Series champions. Do we feel good about the Astros' win at all? Is there any sliver of you guys in your body that feels good for the Houston Astros on this Sunday morning? No. No, but like I said, they've, they've earned my respect for this one. I'm so happy because they won, and that means baseball is over. <laughs> and I was thrilled. Baseball's over, but now it's hockey season, man. Yeah, let's go. Ice. <laughs> Let's go ice. Yeah. That's all you have to say, Alex. Ice skating with a puck. <laughs> with sticks, with pads, with hitting each other. Yeah. Punching each other. It's basically <laughs> boxing on ice. Yeah. And we're boxing fans. See, yeah. we're combat sports hockey. fans. Hockey yeah. hockey's the only like not fighting sport that fighting is allowed in. I'll talk about hockey all day. Who's your favorite team? The Montreal Canadiens. Name two other teams. The Columbus Blue Jackets yeah. and the Chicago Blackhawks. Yes. Who won correct. the Stanley Cup last year? Why are we testing? Who won the Stanley Cup last year? Last question. I don't know. The Colorado Avalanche. That By the did. way, I want to point out one thing. I know that Dan Groen is listening. Um, Payne, he knows. The Jackets are, we are the worst team in the NHL. And we have, like, <laughs> the best offense. No, we literally have two of the best wingers in th- the league has ever seen. Patrick Laine. Patrick Johnny Ryan, Hockey, Johnny Gaudreau, and we can't. We're giving up five goals a game on average. That is awful. Is that Elvis's fault, dude? That's our entire. Like, all the goal is just bad, 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 bad. <sighs> See, this is how you have a hockey conversation, Alex. All I said was I can talk. I'd rather you talk said about go hockey. ice. Yeah, that's what you said. I See, thought, all you have to know is that Elvis ice. has been making me really, really mad this season. I had some hope yesterday because we were only down two one at the end of the. Uh, at the end of the second, because Corpusala was doing good, and we still found a way to lose to lose five to two. We're giving up. We're giving up the most goals in the league on average. Yeah, it's and sad. We're, we're only scoring two. This is something that, that this is going to be discussed like later and and hockey podcast, but like yeah, at least on SPT overtime uh, and hockey podcast. There's still plenty of seasons to turn it around, though. I'm assuming I, I don't for know the Columbus Blue I Jackets. I don't know about that. Also, if there's anything I've learned from you, Pat, <laughs> up here at WZIP Sports, is that you're the biggest, like, overreactor yeah, as a sports fan. <laughs> you think the world is ending it just is because ending of one because loss? No, because we can't win. Okay, no, so here's the thing. It's, it's one thing. It's, okay, we haven't won a game in, like, two weeks. We just played in Finland. We traveled to Finland to get embarrassed, not only on national television, but international television, and we got embarrassed two games in a row. 
in Finland by the Avalanche. I'm a Browns fan. You know how many times the Cleveland Browns have been embarrassed on national TV? A lot. I'm very well, but like the jacket, this has been nonstop for the jackets. Like since existing, this has been nonstop. You'll get there. I hope the Steelers never get there. I'm quite enjoying what they're doing. Listen, I'm already in like a world of all of my sports teams are bad, except the Cavs. How's the MLS going? You know what? Not too bad. Okay. Not too bad. Minnesota's doing, they're doing all right. And Arsenal is still top of the prem. Okay, listen. Logan, I know you're listening too. Arsenal is still top of the prem. Yeah, you have, you let's have go no, Arsenal. You have Name no two words. other teams, Alex. USA. <laughs> Are they a team? I mean, that's the national team, so I'll, I'll allow it. In and the pre- in the Premier League is what okay, I was okay, getting in, at. In the Prem League. Oh, of course. the pre- oh, oh, yeah, the Prem League. Um... <laughs> Um, Arsenal's yeah, yeah. go Gunners. I swear I can name more teams. You guys are just putting me on the spot, personally. What? Okay, what's uh, Jake Murna Goat's favorite team? He's tweeted about them a lot. I don't know Chelsea. Which, by the way, Arsenal beat Chelsea today. So, what team does Ronaldo play on? Uh, Man United. Yeah, that's my team. That's my team. I gotta love Ronaldo. Hey, I didn't know what back. team it was, but hey, that's they, his team. They bounced back. They were almost last. That's and my now favorite team. Uh, I think they're at sixth now, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's get back on track, guys. <laughs> let's get back to the great sport of baseball. And Alex, I know you're happy that the season has come to an end, so I'm sure you're happy about this being the last player of the week segment of the year. Personally, it saddens me, but we have to do it. Our last playoff player of the week segment where each of us picks one MLB player to feature for player of the week, regardless of position and could be for accomplishments on or off the field. Pat, I want to hear from you first. I'm giving it to a Houston Astro. I have to give it to Jeremy Pena for one of the most dominating performances we've ever seen by a rookie. He's one of the first rookies to win a Golden Glove. He's the first shortstop rookie to ever win the Golden Glove. He went two for four uh, last night. He hit 400 in the World Series. He won World Series MVP. I have to give it to Jeremy Pena. What a postseason run. Yeah, I agree. He got ALCS MVP and World Series MVP. It's not a bad pick at all. Alex, who's your player of the week? Uh, Trey Mancini. Uh, Back in 2020, he was diagnosed with cancer. Didn't even know if he'd ever play again. Uh, Was receiving treatment. Uh, got traded midseason, I believe, and now he's a champion. So that's that's a really cool story, and that's that's why you love sports. At the end of the day, it's stories like that that make you love the game. Yeah, that's one of the two feel-good stories for me with the Houston Astros. I still don't like the Astros, but two, two reasons why I like the Astros winning the World Series. One, Trey Mancini, the second, their manager, Dusty Baker. After 2,144 wins as a manager, The 73-year-old is a World Series champion, so I feel good for those two players, but my player of the week goes to Jordan Alvarez. This whole postseason, he's delivered in huge moments for the Astros in Game 1 against the Mariners in the ALDS. He had a huge walk-off home run, and last night he hit the three-run home run that solidified the Astros as 2022 World Series champions. And that does it for baseball, Alex. Are you happy? No, I'm pretty sad it's over. (laughs) (laughs) That does it for baseball. It makes me very, very sad. I can't wait until April and May for the Guardians to be back in. When we win the World Series next year, you mean. 
You're see, Pat. You're <laughs> you overreact to everything we're, in the sports we're winning, world. We're winning. The I world agree with series. Pat. They're gonna win. See, of course you do. Well, because we're gonna win the world. You don't series. think they're gonna win the World Series next year? As of right now, no. I mean, I'm not saying it's not a real fan. Not. A <laughs> I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility, but I'm but not going to say, yeah, the Guardians are going to win the World Series next year. Confirmed. It's going to happen. I but it is confirmed. That confirmed. It's See. All right. Mark it down. Fist bump. Sunday, Boom. November sixth, twelve thirteen, twenty twenty two. Yep. Alex Pat and Alex. Henry. I think the Guardians are going to win the yep. 2023 yep. World Series. We'll see what happens. I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, but I don't think it will happen for next year. Let's get into the NBA, though, and basketball as a whole with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Before we get to the Cavs, let's talk about a big NBA controversy. Their biggest headline this week had to be the implosion of the Brooklyn Nets. Steve Nash was fired. He was fired Tuesday afternoon amid the madness of the NFL trade deadline. He gave a heartfelt message to the team and city of Brooklyn after being fired with a 2-5 and five record. Brooklyn is now heavily related to Ime Yudoka, who is currently suspended after controversies with the Celtics. Before we even get to Kyrie Irving, what are your guys' thoughts on the Nash firing and the organization's link to Yudoka? Um, First of all, for Steve Nash, I as much you know, I, I like Steve Nash a lot, um, but it was no surprise that his job was on the line, um, especially after last season with a very, very disappointing end to the Brooklyn Nets season um, and the start to this season because before they had fired him, I believe they only had one win on the season. Um, it, it hurts to see him go. Uh, I just don't think he was really cut out to be the head coach that everybody thought he was going to be. Um, now, when it goes to everything else i'm i'd prefer to like stay out of that because i don't think he should be like allowed to coach again but that's my personal opinion if if the nets want to go for it they can go with it they can deal with the repercussions with whatever might happen um but um yeah no 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 real comment on that one yeah i think the pr team for the nets have probably one of the most difficult jobs in the sports world right now they're keeping busy they absolutely are alex what are your thoughts on steve nash I Steve Nash one of my favorite players of all time, but as a coach, yeah, it was pretty rough. Um, overall, though, I could care less about the Nets. This team is they tried to do something that every that's been you know a recent trend and it didn't work, and now they're at that crumbling moment. And if you think this is bad, wait until about four more months, and it's only going to continue to get worse for it's, this. Team. It's going to continue to crumble because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are both not happy. In Brooklyn, they want to leave. They've expressed that they do want to leave. Yeah, the Nets, I don't know why they were ever hyped up to be what they were expected to be. Um, because quite honestly, I mean, this Nets team, when they added in Kyrie, when they added in Kevin Durant, it was almost like it was the 2010s Brooklyn Nets. When they got Kevin Garnett, they got uh, Joe Johnson. Everyone's like, oh, they're going to be so good. And then it blew up in their faces. So I think it's almost a mirror to that. They didn't learn then. They're not going to learn now. Do you think Kevin Durant at this point of the season. I know it's still still fresh, it's still new. Nobody's played 10 games yet in the NBA. Do you think Kevin Durant is regretting his decision to return to the Brooklyn Nets? I do because this team is here's the thing. I'm I'm not the biggest Kevin Durant fan. Um ever since he left OKC. But I will say he is the most efficient scorer of our lifetime in terms of his offensive performance and his offensive uh proficiency. He's one of the best um, it's got to be hurting him. This team just holds him back. He they hold him back. Yes, he's getting up there in age. Yes, his skills are aging. It's not he's not the 
prime KD we used to see, but there's no reason why, with him on a roster, his team is sitting at 4-6 and six right now. Almost out of the play-in tournament. There's no reason that should be happening. Yeah, in one of his press conferences, he was asked about the whole Kyrie Irving situation, and he just sounded like a completely depleted and just defeated man and player on the Nets who haven't even started the year well at all. They're sitting at 4-6 and six and 10th in the Eastern Conference to make it even worse. 10th in the Eastern Conference, that's one place ahead of the Miami Heat. Shout out Logan Congro, mm-hmm. your Heat are playing terrible right now. Mm-hmm. But let's get into the Kyrie Irving situation. Of course, he is suspended right now, and it all started when Kyrie shared a documentary on social media that was anti-Semitic. Irving did not apologize for spreading the content until after the team suspended him for at least five games without pay. First reported by Sham Sharanya last night, the Nets laid out six items that Irving must complete to return to the team. First, apologize slash condemn the movie. Second, a 500K donation to anti-hate causes. Third, sensitivity training. Fourth, anti-Semitic training. Fifth, meet with ADL, Jewish leaders. And lastly, sixth, meet with Nets GM, Josai, to demonstrate understanding. Nike also suspended their relationship with Kyrie and will no longer launch the Kyrie 8s. So two questions I have for you guys. What do you think of yet another Kyrie dilemma and controversy in his career? And do you think he plays another game for the Nets? Or is that an overreaction at this point? I think his career with the Brooklyn Nets is all but over at this point. Um, and like you said, it's just more drama adding on and adding on. It It's almost like he's become the Antonio Brown of the NBA, where everywhere you see his name now, it's with something negative because he did something stupid. Because, you know, it's just one of those things. Um, I just think I, I do agree with the six things he does have to do. I think that was very, very good. Because most teams, I feel like they would have just said, all right, you just have to donate or sit out the games. Um, but the fact that he didn't even apologize until his pay was removed for five games kind of speaks volumes that I don't really think that even if he does apologize, he's really sorry about it. And he fought with media. He fought with reporters trying to come at him and say, why did you share this anti-Semitic film it, and documentary yeah. from Amazon, he gave them a hard time, didn't apologize at first, and like you said, apologized it, it after the suspension. He's truly not sorry for his actions, which is absolutely horrible. And I I don't really understand how people are supporting him at this point anymore. Like, I know Kanye West is supporting him, but that's a whole other thing. That I've. It, it's just a whole... It, there's a whole lot of drama that there shouldn't be drama for. As an athlete, as a human being in general, you should know to not do that. Clearly, he doesn't know that. I, I don't know. It's just, it's just not a, it's just not a good look for him at all. Like his his career has been permanently tainted by this. Yeah, it, it sucks when these type of controversies and storylines break into the sports world because we have to discuss them. And being a radio station at the University of Akron, we've had to cover the Deshaun Watson story pretty heavily on these airwaves. Now Kyrie Irving, of course, he's not associated with the Cleveland Cavaliers anymore. He's a Brooklyn Net, but it's just still another controversy that has to be covered on these airwaves. And nobody likes to cover it. Nobody likes these stories coming out. And it's definitely a hard thing to talk about when it does rise to the surface in in the sports world. Alex, what do you think of Kyrie Irving, the latest controversy, and if he'll remain to be a Brooklyn Net when everything's said and done? 
No, he won't be a Brooklyn Net. Uh, it's pretty sad seeing what's going on with Kyrie because I'll say it till the day I die. Kyrie Irving is the best ball handler I've ever seen in the NBA, and it's not even close. Uh, at the end of the day, I really wish that politics stayed out of sports. I think if you want to be a politician, be a politician. But if you're an athlete, be an athlete. There's steps to being a professional. If you work in the workplace, you keep politics out of it. Look at the NFL or the NBA or the MLB as a workplace. Try to keep those out, and you're fine. I mean, it's part of being a professional. He's not a professional. There's also a lot of other times where other athletes have said other things, and they might not get punished for it, and that makes a whole different story and a whole different argument, not to defend Kyrie, but to address the overall issue at hand. Uh, it's just better to just not do that thing, those things. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean... I get the narrative to an extent of what you're saying, but when it comes to separating workplace with politics, I get it in a normal work environment, but for these professional athletes, they're put on a stage. People look up to these athletes, and like LeBron James, his whole branding of being more than an athlete, based on that podcast that was released probably years ago by this point, but... I understand why these athletes are coming out and saying what they're saying. And when it does have to do with a controversial sh- subject like this with Kyrie Irving, it doesn't help anybody. And he did promote a heavily anti-Semitic film that had themes in it that are quite disturbing, not only to people who align with the Jewish community, but even me learning some things about the documentary. It's a hard story to get behind. Yeah, I mean, no, I'm not uh, defending it at all. Um I, I condemn it pretty hard. I just, there's many, many, I can name on 10 fingers the amount of athletes in professional sports that are heavily in politics, and that means the rest of them really don't do that much. Uh, so keep it out. I just Keep it out. It's way easier. Um, like I said, you know, there's a lot of UFC fighters actually that retire and go into politics. BJ Penn is literally like a senator or something, not senator, I don't know. He's like a big, he's a governor. In, uh, like, somewhere in California. So go ahead. Go do politics. Yeah. But you're an athlete. Be, you're paid to be an athlete, not a politician. Yeah, when, especially when you're an athlete. Like you said, people look up to you. The yeah. spotlight is that much brighter. Like, athletes make more than even some politicians. Like, the stage that you are on is arguably the highest in the world. People will model their game after you. Um, and yet, you go ahead and do something like this. It. It's not good. Like I said, I, I think it puts a permanent stain on Kyrie's career where... A hundred percent. You know, I would argue to say he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He was going to get his number retired by the Cleveland Cavaliers. I just don't see any of this happening now because what he's been doing the past few few weeks, uh, let alone in, in uh, the later half of his career more recently, it's just it's not a good look whatsoever. That's a good point. I didn't even think about the fact that the Cavs might not retire his jersey number when things are all said and done with his career. None of us think that he's going to return to the Nets organization, but do you think he has any type of career left in the NBA after what he shared on social media? I think he's turned himself, like I said, into the Antonio Brown of the NBA. I I, I think he might finish this season out with the Nets once he completes the six steps, um, but then after that, I don't really see a spot for him in this league if he's going to continue to act the way that he has. 
Oh, no, he'll definitely be on another team. This is his first controversy. In three weeks, somebody will move on to something else, and we'll all be looking at that, and he'll be on a new team, and people will be upset on Twitter for two days, and it will be over, because that's the world we live in. So I see him playing probably for at least, like, four or five more seasons in the league. Yeah. Unless I, if he literally gets, like, indefinitely suspended from basketball, I don't see him. Unless if they continue to punish him for things he believes in, and he wants to leave for that reason. If teams are willing to sign him, he will, and I'm sure he'll keep playing. Yeah, I I agree with that opinion, Alex. I do think it will be forgotten about eventually, and he will return to the NBA in some fashion. But let's turn to a brighter spot in the NBA. Let's turn to our very own Cleveland Cavaliers, and let's talk about the game against Boston on October 28th last or the first game against Boston was on October 28th in overtime. We won 132 to 123, and then we beat Boston last Wednesday in overtime as well, 114 to 113. Jalen Brown missed a potential game-winning shot in overtime to seal a Cavs home win. Huge win for the Cavs this early in the season. What did you guys think of the Cavs win? I loved it. I think we played very well um, defensively, offensively. We, it was a very, very... Uh, Hard-fought game and a very well-deserved win. You know, I being a Cleveland Browns fan, it's hard to really be hype about a team as much as, you know, I'll be a fan. Uh, that's how I kind of was with this Cavs. I said, I got to see something before I put them in my top five in the East. Well, after beating the Celtics in those ways they did, I see them as the top two team in the East, and they're not two. So it's pretty it's pretty crazy uh, i i love what this team's doing right now i know it's still early but i wouldn't say anything for a while i'm willing to say something now this Cavs team looks good strong statement there from alex on the Cavs being first in the east at the end of the season you think that's going to happen um the, i mean i said they i think they are right now but uh by the end of the season we'll see i don't know all right they'll be top 3 100 yeah. percent that's fair. Let's talk about the game against Detroit. Garland for a sprained left knee and Mitchell with a sprained left ankle were both rolled out for the game, but it didn't matter. The Cavs won 112-88. to What did you guys think of the Pistons game? Love to see it. We didn't even play our biggest stars, and we still won in dominating fashion. Love to see it. I also love to see it, as in Kevin Love. There hits a point in every single shooter's life where, like, they're getting a little older and they don't shoot as consistently as they did, where they just pop off. My example would be J.R. Smith. I remember there'd be times where J.R. would just rip off from the three-point line, and watching K-Love just drill three-pointers all night was legit. I loved it, and the Cavs just, they looked so dominant. It was incredible. That they did. Jarrett Allen, Kevin Love, and Jetty Osmond all stepped up. And the team shot over 50% from the floor and 42.3% from behind the three-point line. Mobley had 11 points, 8 rebounds, and 8 blocks. The most blocks by a Cav in a single game since Larry Nance Sr. Getting the job done and getting the job done very well without your two best players Super impressed by that Cavs win. But let's look ahead to the upcoming week for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Obviously, today we play the Los Angeles Lakers on the road. What do you guys think of that matchup? I think it's an easy dub. Yeah, I think it's not an easy dub, but I do think we get the job finished. 
I agree with you, Alex. I don't think it's going to be an easy win at all. We can flame Russell Westbrook all we want, talk about how he's Russell Westbrick, but he's been playing well lately. LeBron James, of course, is LeBron James. And the Cavs are 1-18 and against LeBron James in franchise history. When LeBron James is suiting up in a different uniform and playing the Cleveland Cavaliers, he is a very good player. So it's going to be a tough matchup. It's on the road. I do expect the Cavs to win this game, but I do expect the Lakers to put up a tough fight. Then we go on the road again. All these games this week are on the road in the West. Next up, L.A. Clippers. Um, Yeah, this is going to be another fun game for the Cavs. I see the Cavs taking a win in this game as well, though. Uh, I think think it'll be a little bit tougher. Then everybody will think it will be since against your Clippers. Clippers. It's my Clippers, I only like Kawhi Leonard. Come on now. Well, you what? you root for the Clippers with Kawhi Leonard to play well. I, I do, but he has not been playing um, as of late. It is still good to see um, Paul George doing some things, but uh, I think it'll be a win for the Cavs. All right, yeah, I do kind of agree with that. Uh, next up, Sacramento Kings. Alex, what do you think? Yeah, the Kings are the Kings are they're. They're garbage. I do not like the Kings. I, I mean, they're trying to make moves, trying to get better. But overall, I'm going to take the uh, the Cavs in this win here. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the Cavs beat the Kings. The Kings are 2-5. and five. They did come off of an impressive win yesterday with that near logo 3 from De'Aaron Fox. They have DeMontis Sabonis as well. But I do like the Cavs to pick up that win on the road. And last game this week... A game against the Golden State Warriors, Alex. Who do you like in that one? Well, Jake, man, I mean, how many wins did I already just give the Cavs? I mean, if they'd be on a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. So they'd be on a 10-game win streak going into Golden State. Um, Yeah, they're not going to win. I think Golden State will probably be lights out, especially the way our defense plays where we have our bigs inside. Uh, and Golden State's just a outside three-point shooting team. I mean, it's not even a good matchup. They're still one of the best teams in the NBA, so I will give it to the Warriors. Yeah, I agree with you. It's actually kind of surprising to see the Warriors' record. They're 3-7 and seven right now. No, I mean, they are playing weird. I haven't gotten to watch a Golden State game, so I can't say too much uh, besides what I see on paper. But, uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I agree with you. I haven't watched a lot of the Golden State Warriors, but did you see the... The inter bet here at WZIP when the Warriors played the Heat on Twitter. You know what I'm referencing, Alex? I have no clue. Inform me. So, as you well know, Logan Buchanan, a Warriors fan. Bandwagon. Logan Congrove, Heat fan. Bandwagon. I agree with you. <laughs> they played each other, and they they bet on Twitter that Jimmy Butler and Steph Curry, whoever scores more points, depends on if Buchanan or Congrove have to buy each other lunch. So if Steph Curry scored more than Jimmy Butler, that means that Buchanan would get a free lunch courtesy of Logan Congrove. Same way the other way around if Jimmy Butler outscored Steph Curry. Are you aware of what happened, Alex? No, I'm not, I mean that's 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 what's up. That's a good deal. I think uh, I think Butler might take the uh, the win in that deal. Do you think Butler scored more? Is that your prediction? Well, he's like the team's leading scorer, and Golden State spreads the ball out. They only Curry only has so many big games, so yes, they both scored twenty three points. Wow, I believe it was twenty three, but they both scored the same amount of points, and yeah, 
They both had to buy their own lunch on Thursday. That's interesting. It is interesting. I agree, though. I think the Cavs do lose to the Warriors, but that's a that's one heck of a winning streak for the Cavs. They're already on a seven-game winning streak. We have them going on for a 10-game winning streak before losing just their second game of the season. So impressive things there from the Cavs. We're going to go to break. When we come back, John Gross in studio, Akron Zips, men's basketball head coach, will join us live on Sports Power Talk. You won't want to miss it right here on 88.1 WZIP. Ladies and gentlemen from Northeast Ohio and beyond, welcome back to Sports Power Talk. This is your host, Jake Murren. I'm also joined by Pat Weber and Alex Henry. But most importantly, we are being joined by a very special guest. This is the first live in-studio guest on Sports Power Talk since I've been a part of WZIP. We're not just having any ordinary guest on the show. Instead, it's my pleasure to introduce a man that has done an exceptional job leading a program at the University of Akron. He led his team to a MAC title last season and had an incredible showing in Portland against UCLA in March Madness. His next campaign begins tomorrow, and I'm sure the goals are the same, if not higher. Of course, I'm talking about the one and only head coach of the Akron Zips men's basketball team, John Gross. Thanks for coming in, Coach, and welcome to the show. No, thanks for having me. It's exciting to be. I didn't know I was the first. Wow. A lot, lot, lot of pressure, lot of pressure on this there. one, right? I like that, though. I always tell the guys, though, pressure either busts pipes or makes diamonds. So let, let's try to make some diamonds today. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Coach, you know, before we talk about this up-and-coming season, we have a few questions for you based on last year's season and uh, some things that tri- transcribed over the offseason. Uh, two of the three of us were in Cleveland the night the uh, Zips beat Kent State in the MAC tournament, uh, covering it for WZIP. That was really cool. What was it like to be able to enter the tournament as the fourth seed and then get revenge over our rival school, Kent State, to ultimately win the conference? Well, anytime you get in those tournament settings, man, it's just it's about surviving and advancing, playing well that day, focusing on who you're playing at that time. Uh, you know, it's cool, like... And certainly for my family and fans and all of you guys, I'm, I'm envious, you know, to be able to look at it from like, Alex, from your perspective of, you know, who did we beat and our path and all that. We're kind of in bunker mode and just trying to get through one game at a time. But, you know, it, it was a lot of fun and it was a heck of a route we had to take looking back on. I mean, a good Buffalo team. Then you had to play Toledo, who was it was hot. Uh, and had played well and had won the regular season back championship. And then you played Kent State, who was on a, I don't know, remember the exact number of games, but they won several in a row coming into that game. And uh, so we didn't have an easy path, that's for darn sure. And our guys really played well, and, and uh, you know, they earned it. It was a phenomenal run over those last ten games uh, that we played and uh, certainly one that, uh, you know, I'll always cherish and remember and uh, very fondly. You fell just short of a huge upset win against UCLA in the March Madness tournament last season. I remember asking you after the game what the sentiment of the locker room was after the loss. How long did it take for the coaching staff and players to move on from the loss and build on what was ultimately a successful season in hindsight? Yeah, I don't know if you ever do. You know, you I'm certainly grateful for the experience to play in the NCAA tournament, to go to Portland, to play you know UCLA who I thought you know and I still think at the time was actually 
you know, they were underseeded. I mean, they had everybody back from a Final Four team. Mm. Um, I, I When I watched them on film, I thought, wow, these guys are good enough to win a national championship watching them play. And um, to be in a situation where you're up at the under four and just to not quite finish it, you know, I don't know if you ever necessarily get over or forget that. I think you have an opportunity to learn from that, use that as motivation as we move forward. Um, but, you know, obviously we're having a, a good time here, all four of us, you know, reminiscing about last year and, and uh, some great memories. But as we get ready to play this year, I've tried to really emphasize to the guys that what happened last year, other than the fact that we garnered some experience from that that can be helpful, but it has nothing to do with this year. I mean, we have to play the games that are in front of us, climb the mountain from the bottom like everybody else. No one's going to give us any. In fact, it's going to be harder. You know, it should be harder because there's a huge target, you know, on our backs. So you have to embrace that and understand that you're going to get everybody's best shot every night um, and that you have to control what you can control and make sure that you're ready to play and that you're giving them your best shot uh, every night. And so, you know, we're, we're obviously excited about getting this thing underway. But, yeah, I, I don't know to answer your question if I'll ever, you know, there's certain games you remember. And us coaches are so weird. My wife says that all the time. Like, you know, hey, we, when I was in Illinois, we beat number one ranked Indiana on a last-second shot at home. And she's like, how come you don't remember that more than you remember losing to UCLA or, you know, uh, busting a switch at Ohio State last year with a one-point lead with three seconds to go on a sideline outplay? Like, I remember those things. Us, us coaches are weird. You know, we remember those things more than we do the exhilarating finishes that go in our favor. So Enrique Freeman, and it's actually something you said quite early when you came up here. You know, you're talking about prep pressure. Uh, he says that one of your common phrases is preparation trumps pressure. Did you or the players or the staff ever feel like that March Madness pressure was too much? No, not at all. I thought, and obviously you saw how well we played. I thought we were loose and played well and we were aggressive, especially defensively. You know, when I, I didn't watch that game until about – two to three weeks before this season. You know, I didn't really have any desire to watch it and uh, was putting our edits together for the year, our teaching tapes. And, uh, you know, I watched it and I felt like, man, we lost the game really at the end of the day for three, based on three things, really. One, uh, we wasted some offensive possessions late that we could have been better. We just didn't make great decisions in terms of shot selection and, and uh, you know, passing and different things that, that occurred in the last four minutes that we had some control over, obviously. Secondly, I thought Tiger Campbell made some big shots. So mm-hmm. you got to give him credit. And then thirdly, I thought we got a bad whistle on Freeman um, in the second half. You know, I thought he was the most dominant player in the game, uh, certainly on the interior for either team. Uh, they had no answer for him that day. Uh, and... What hurt us is that we were only able to play him about half the game, you know, and so, and a couple of them were just really interesting calls. Um, and I know it's hard to be an official, but, and you're trying to make those calls as best you can, as accurately as you can in real time, rather than watching, you can't slow it down slow motion like we right. can as fans or coaches after the game's over. So I, I get that, I respect that, but I thought a couple of them were really bad and really influenced the game and put Freeman. Uh, on the bench, which certainly didn't help us. 
It sounds like you've done a lot of reflecting this offseason while preparing for tomorrow's game and the start of a new season. I want to play a clip from an interview that Dan Groen of WZIP Sports did with Enrique Freeman on last season and get your reaction to it. Here is Enrique. I don't expect to carry last year's momentum into this year. Um, okay. This year we have a new team. We have uh, very a lot of guys who are coming back and new guys and additions to our team. So it's important for us to kind of um, solve the mystery and figure out how this team works together well and figure out how we want to play, what like what our strengths, what are our weak, what are our weaknesses. So not really u- use that experience to impact this team, but try to figure out a different way for, with this team. Every year is different. Right. When you look back at what the Zips team was able to accomplish last year, what have you taken away from that run as a program to apply to this season? Well, I think he talked about the experience of going through that. And then I think you, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I shared with them the story and they all laugh. When I was a kid growing up, I just a great family and I had great siblings and we'd go to church on Sundays. And then, you know, a lot of times we would eat um, at the house. But the big treat for the day was a peanut buster parfait at Dairy Queen. We thought that was like <laughs> the best. I mean, just the best. And then as you get older... You know, you eat at Ruth Chris Steakhouse or the Marble Room or in Cleveland or you have, uh, you know, we go to Fleming's here locally a lot or you go to Ken Stewart's or you have, you know, and there's a number of great places in Northeast Ohio and you have like a real high quality steak, a filet mignon with no fat on it. And you look back on that peanut buster parfait and you're like, man, when I was, I thought that was like the bomb. Maybe that wasn't the bomb. This is this is big time, you know. Uh, so once you, I always tell those guys, you know, ham- hamburgers are good, but once you've tasted filet mignon, you want to taste filet mignon again. You're not as interested maybe in the hamburger, you know. And so I think it's motivation as well as experience that we gathered from last year's experience. But, you know, Enrique's right with what he said. I mean, it is a new year. We've got a new team. We've got a hybrid of older guys that return from that experience. We also have some transfers that are new. We have some freshmen that are new. It's a completely different year, completely different team. However, I always tell them, when you play at Akron in men's basketball, there are a couple things that are always the same every year, and there are a couple things that are different every year. And the two things that are the same are, one, the expectations to compete for championships. So when you put on the jersey or you coach Akron, you have to understand that's part of the deal. And if you don't like that or that's too much pressure or you don't like expectations, then you probably need to go coach a different place or you need to go play at a different place. So that's part of that's number one. Number two is the standards. You become us, we don't become you. You know, I know you're ranked this, ranked that, came from here, came from there, wherever. That's great, and obviously we think enough of you that we want you to be on our team. But at the end of the day, we defend here. We don't throw the ball to the other team here, and we try to take pretty good shots. If you buy into that sooner than later, then that'll be good for you, and you'll fit in first because that's important before you stand out. Um, there's certain standards with toughness and our effort level, our attitude, how coachable we are, uh, how much we think about others other than ourselves. That's important. And so those things don't change, expectations and standards. What does change every year is the makeup of the locker room. As soon as you add or delete one player, it's a totally different locker room. Hmm. And the more of those players you add and delete, then it becomes a really different locker room. So the players change. And then the second thing that changes is the journey. Take, for example, like I'm going into the year preparing that Michael Dawson's going to play. 
He's going to play probably at least 25 to 30 minutes a night. Play starters minutes. Shot 48% from three during the 10-game stretch where we played about as good as anybody in the country. And all of a sudden, he has an Achilles injury. He's out for the year. I didn't plan that. That already makes this year different because we didn't have an injury like that last year. So the journey of every year is different. Um, The roster's different. The team's different. But the expectations and the standards don't change here. And so we always talk a lot about that, and and, uh, guys like Enrique certainly really buy into that uh, and are able to convey that message to our younger guys. Yeah, again, we're talking to Coach John Gross of the men's Zips basketball team here on Sports Power Talk. Coach, it was announced last April that you were extended as the head coach of the Zips basketball team through the 2030 season. After having your most successful season with Akron last year, what did that extension mean to you? A lot. You know, I, I'm so thankful for the board, the board of trustees, uh, President Miller, and Charles Guthrie and, and his athletic department administrative team and their commitment to men's basketball, to our staff, to what we're building, to our program. I mean, you know, you see a lot of contract extensions, right? You see them about that time of year come across the ticker on ESPN, four years or five years, occasionally maybe a six-year, sometimes three, two, but eight. Uh, and that wasn't that's, that was their idea. And so I give them a lot of credit uh, for making that type of statement in terms of their commitment level to what we're doing, what we're about, and their recognition of that. And so just very thankful and very, very grateful um, to the university, to the board, to President Miller, and to Charles and his staff. Now, Coach, it's like you mentioned earlier, there is a big target on Akron's back this year, and it's even bigger now that we've lost our primary scorer from last season, Ali Ali, as he did transfer to Butler. What was your reaction to Ali changing schools, and how do you think that affects the team moving forward into the season? Yeah, well, I think, again, like we talked about earlier, roster's different year in, year out. You know, obviously very appreciative of Ali and, and his efforts and his contributions during his time here. He was a huge part of uh, our our championship run last year and um, he helped us win two championships that could have been three if it wasn't for COVID Uh, we were good enough to at least have a a shot at another one Uh, it was probably quite honestly last year's team really came together late but our best team holistically start to finish was in 2019-20 and Ali was a big part of that team too so you know certainly wish him the best um you know, d- d- when you add guys like that, allowed us to add, you know, Sammy Hunter and Trendon Hankerson upon his and Aziz's departures, and so now your team changes. You know, Trendon and and uh, and Sammy have different strengths and weaknesses than Ali and Aziz had, uh, who also had strengths and weaknesses. Both of those guys, they, we all do. So trying to you know figure out what they do best and how that fits into the team. Uh, and adds the most value. I think it's been, you know, it's always a challenge, but it's also a fun, fun challenge. And both those guys are great guys. We've got really good dudes, which helps, makes it fun to come to work every day. But uh, that, that's just part of the transition, right? I think, you know, we're in an age right now where there's a lot of talk about NIL. There's a lot of talk about transfer portal. And I hear a lot of complaining about it, a lot of complaining about it. We don't do that. I mean, I can't change that those things exist. It doesn't really matter whether I like them, don't like them, think it should happen, not happen. Like, they're here. So why in the world would we complain about them? That's a waste of time. You know, so we have to figure out the best way to 
to leverage those things uh, in a way uh, that adds the most value uh, for Akron. Absolutely. Speaking of Sammy Hunter and uh, Trent and Hankerson, what have you seen out of them so far, and what are your expectations for them to start the season? Well, both of them have fit in really well, and Sammy, in our two scrimmages, has had an average double-figure points um, and eight-plus bo- eight boards, so he's done a great job there. And then Trendon's so good defensively, uh, on the ball, off the ball. I mean, he's really, really good on defense, fits our defensive scheme great. Hasn't shot it at, up to his standard, or certainly mine, and I, I know he will. As he gets more and more comfortable, he's also shown over his career that he's a 35 to 40% three-point shooter, and that's ridiculous. That's great over a three- or four-year career, very efficient. And I think once he gets that going, and actually here the last couple of weeks, he started to shoot it better, working in concert with his defense, I think he can really add a lot of value. Once again, this is Coach Sean Gross joining us on Sports Power Talk. Xavier Castaneda played a big role last year, especially in the MAC tournament and at the game against UCLA. Personally, I'm excited to see him on the floor most this season since it's kind of a given what Enrique Freeman will do for you each game. What are you looking for out of Castaneda this year, and do you think he'll end up playing an even bigger role in the offense? Well, I thought he played a big role in particular the last 10 games. Yeah. I think you'll see something similar to what you saw, Jake, the last 10 games with him, but even better, I'm hoping, even more efficient. He's he's leading more. He's talking more. X is one of the most physically toughest, most competitively tough players that I've coached in my 30 years. He'd be in the top five percentile. He is a fighter. He's a warrior. He's going to fight you. He's going to put his body in plays. He is uh, super, super competitive. And that's the thing he brings to the table that is the best. Now, obviously, people see he can shoot, he can dribble. You know, he defended in the MAC tournament really well. I thought he was great in the championship game against an elite player in Sincere Carey. But, and all those things he does, no question about it. But his biggest attribute, his best attribute, is his competitive toughness just wears on everybody that's around him. And you just feel it. And he elevates the competitiveness of the room. As soon as he walks in the room, he has that it factor when it comes to competitiveness. So that's what he brings as much as anything to our team. And it's such a critical component to being good. Yeah, X is definitely one of my favorite players. But looking at Enrique, he was the 2022 MAC Defensive Player of the Year. MAC Tournament MVP, which I did have honor in voting for him, which is pretty cool. Uh, he was named first-team preseason All-MAC and has a shot at MAC Player of the Year. Do you know if this is on his mind or if it's one of his goals? Yeah, great question, Alex, because it's interesting. And Castaneda's along the same lines as this. If you think about it, so going into last year, neither one of those guys got any preseason publicity at all. Neither him or Castaneda was on an all-league team. They weren't honorable mention all-league. They certainly weren't defensive player of the year candidate like Freeman is. They, they didn't have it. Rike was a walk-on. You know, so all of a sudden now it's like, and it gets back to the target deal, right? How it applies to our team. It could just as easily, Patrick, apply to individuals. Like all of a sudden you're Enrique Freeman and there's expectations now. You're voted second team preseason all league. You're you're voted as the preseason MAC defensive player of the year. You just won MAC tournament MVP. You're you know, you're Castaneda. Now all of a sudden you're second team preseason. Uh, all league. I think actually Reek's first team, right? Is that right, guys? So uh, Reek is first team preseason all league. Castaneda's second team preseason all league. They weren't getting any of that billing last year. And how do you handle that? 
And the reality of it is that I've tried to tell them, like, hey, man, embrace it. No different than our team. Uh, be respectful. That's great that people think that highly of you. But just go out and do it every day. Don't skip steps. I think the biggest thing that could happen, a mistake that could happen for us, is we enjoy March Madness so much or the MAC tournament so much at Rocket Mortgage that we can't wait for that to get here. Well, that's the wrong approach. Don't skip steps, uh, whether it's our team or whether it's uh, Enrique or Castaneda individually. Absolutely. So Akron was picked to finish third in the MAC in the preseason MAC coaches poll and received two of 11 votes to win the conference. What do you think about that placement for Akron? Well, I mean, I, I picked us to win it, so I'll tell you right now, it was one of the two. Um, I don't know who the other was, but uh, nor does it really matter. Um, but at the end of the day, I think we've got a team right now, as I watch our team, that has a long way to go uh, for this time of year. And what's going to be interesting is the fact that our schedule is, on paper, I think it'd be fair to debate the hardest Division One schedule that Akron has played in the Division One era since they went Division One in the 80s. I mean, uh, tomorrow night we play South Dakota State, who was 30-5, and five, won 21 games in a row last year. It's the nation's longest win streak. Have seven of their top nine players back. They're picked to win their league, and they're 35-1 and one in their last 36 conference games. Like, that's not your typical home opener. And then, oh, by the way, on Friday we go play Mississippi State in Wells Fargo Arena in Philadelphia where the Sixers play. Like, then we go to the Cayman Islands, and you got Western Kentucky, who's borderline top 25, getting votes. And then if you're lucky enough to win or lose that game, you got LSU and Kansas State, Nevada and Rhode Island. I mean, it's, you know, we got Wright State who's picked to win their league at home. We've got Marshall uh, on the road who's picked second in their league. We've got Bradley on the road who's picked second in their league. And we have South Dakota State on Monday, I just mentioned, who's picked to win their league. On top of the Caymans and Mississippi State. and I mean, it, it, it's, it's challenging. And so right now where we are is we have about five or six guys that have consistently done things the Akron way. We have a bunch of other guys that are aspiring to do that. Great dudes. They're just their habits aren't good enough yet. And so we've got to be patient and we've got to bring some of these redshirt freshmen and true freshmen along and try to develop some type of a bench and some depth. You know, I'm used to going into opening night with eight guys pretty solid if I need to get to 9 and 10, I get to 9 and 10. Right now, it's like six guys, pretty solid. And I'm trying to figure out who 7 and 8 are. You know, and, and they're talented. They just they, they need to do what we need them to do more consistently. And what's going to happen is when you play the schedule we're playing, you're going to get exposed. And so it'll be great from that standpoint. And I think in terms of the accelerated development and growth of our team will occur a lot during this non-conference schedule. So we're looking forward uh, to that. We just, with some of those guys, we've got to be patient, continue to coach them, bring them along, get them better, uh, and get them up to speed. Now, like you mentioned, we are playing in the Cayman Islands Classic against Western Kentucky on the 21st. What do you think about playing in this in-season tournament against such and uh, a tough opponent? No, it's awesome. And we're going to schedule the same way next year, too. I mean, it's just, it's great. I think it's great for Akron. It's great for our program. It's great for our guys awesome you know to be challenged like that and then i I think our league is going to be really good there's been some coaching changes in our league and i think there'll be some programs that the last few years patrick have maybe been down a bit that i think you're gonna once the year ends be like whoa you know eastern michigan the addition of obviously they already had noah farrakhan is terrific but they now add imani bates i mean that guy was the number one high school player in the country at one point 
right? You've got Western Michigan who's added some guys and a new coach. Ball State returns everybody, bought Jerron Coleman back from Missouri. Like, they're going to be really good. Kent State's picked, by, picked to win the, win the deal. Toledo's got everybody back but Ryan Rollins and then added a couple transfers uh, on, on top of that to solidify their roster. Like, I, I think the thing is going to be an absolute, you know, and we're not even talking about Ohio and Buffalo who are good every year. You know, I'm, I, I just think it's going to be a really, really tough competitive league, um, top to bottom, maybe as much or more so than any of the six years uh, that we've competed in it since I've been at Akron. Speaking with John Gross, head coach of the men's basketball team at Akron. Coach, what is the overall goal for this season? Is it another MAC title? Uh, are you trying to go even further in the match, March Madness tournament? What's your goals preseason yeah. this season? Well, we want to compete for championships. That's every year. I said that earlier. That's the expectation. We're not there yet right now on you know whatever we're looking at here, Alex. November Sixth, my eyesight's terrible. I looked at my watch and could barely read it. Um, November sixth, you know, we're not where we need to be yet, but I think we can get there. You know, if uh, Lord blesses us with some health, relatively good health, and we keep getting better, and guys, uh, we got a lot of guys whose care factor's super high. They want to be good, um, and so I think we'll have a have a shot. You know, obviously, long term, you know, we've. You know, we want to compete for championships, both regular season and conference tournament. And uh, our guys have goal a goal. You know, they want to try to get, you know, advance in postseason play. You know, not just be in it. And um, you know, they're pretty high goals. You got to play well. And so I love that though. We don't. We call them big bodacious goals. We love them. You know, we love big bodacious goals. You know, they set one. What was it a couple years ago? They wanted to go undefeated at home. I think that year, the year finished with. Seven out of 368 teams went undefeated at home. 361 didn't. I think we lost one or something. I looked at him. I said, hey, fellas, man, good for you that you had a big, bodacious goal like that. I don't know how many teams will end up doing that this year. We didn't get that one. But you got four or five others you're shooting for, man. Let's keep attacking those. But don't you ever apologize for setting big, bodacious goals. You know, they got courage to do that. At times, because they're big and bodacious, you might not get one or two of them. You know, let's learn from it, see if it can make us better, and let's chase these other ones. You know, so we don't apologize for that. We're not the program that's like, hey, man, just set the goal to be 500 in league play because then you got a good chance to get that. Like, that's not us. You know, we're shooting for some big, bodacious stuff, you know, and and, and we love that. We embrace that. We love that. That's what we're going after, and I've got a bunch of guys that certainly think that way, and so it's um, that makes it fun. We'll leave you with this, Coach. How much are you looking forward to the ring celebration and banner reveal tomorrow night at the Jar for being 2022 MAC champions? Yeah, no, it should be. You know, it's interesting. In my younger years, I would have said, no, we're not doing that. Focus on the opponent. You know, South Dakota State's a great program, well coached. You know, they got two preseason first team all league guys. They're really good. That's the focus. But what you learn, I think, as you get older is that, hey, what we did last year, that's hard. That's hard, and it needs to be celebrated and recognized. So that's why we decided to do it. So originally it was just going to be the banner, and uh, then we, you know, you see the NBA on opening night, do the rings. Like we don't have time for that. I said I don't want to do that, and I said not nah, a heck with it. What we'll do is we'll just do it with the nine returning players, in terms of individual announcements for tomorrow night. You know, obviously, you know our staff and support staff and and uh, the president and. 
you know, some athletic department personnel, Charles, etc. Those guys are going to get rings too, obviously. But we just won't have the individual recognition. They'll be almost lumped into like us coaches and staff and support staff and everybody together. But we are going to individually recognize the nine players that return uh, by name, individually, one person at a time, uh, tomorrow night. Uh, and then we'll also pay homage, and, and rightly so. You mentioned Ali earlier. You know, we have four players from that team that aren't currently with us that were a big part of that team and contributed heavily. And so we'll certainly mention those guys by name as well. And then uh, get ready to compete against a great, my gosh, are they good on offense. I don't know how good I'll sleep tonight. And they were number one on effective field goal percentage, number one in three-point percentage, number one in two-point percentage. Offensively, they are a juggernaut. And the other night, Dustin hit me, my assistant, he said, uh, by the way, he said, you want some bad news? Oh, it's some bad news. In their exhibition game, they went 13 for 17 from three. I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> so uh, our defense is really going to be challenged uh, tomorrow night habitually. Our habits good enough this early to be able to guard that high power. They averaged 88 a game last year, which led the country. And uh, to guard that high power of an offense. And so I'm anxious to see how we can impact at that end of the floor and uh but look forward to having everybody out tomorrow night if you're listening it would mean a lot if you're there obviously our guys appreciate that you get to take in a game against a tremendous opponent and obviously be there when we unveil the banner and uh have a ring ceremony for those individual players uh that were on last year's mac tournament championship team absolutely well thank you for coming on the show again coach gross it was a pleasure to have you join sports power talk thank you for the time and i think i speak for everyone up here at wzip sports when i say that we wish you and your team nothing but the best for the upcoming season appreciate it appreciate what you guys do and the invite really enjoyed it and hopefully we had enough fun and you uh, we did a good enough job that uh, you guys invite me back Oh, yeah. We, we'd love to have you again. Love to have you again. After the championship. We'll have you back on. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Thanks, guys, and go Zips. Thank you. That was Coach John Gross of the Akron Zips men's basketball team. Don't forget to jam the jar tomorrow night at 7 p.m. for their season opener against South Dakota State. Hope you all enjoyed hearing from Coach Gross as much as we enjoyed having him on the show. And that will do it for the November 6th edition of Sports Power Talk. And if you're new here to Sports Power Talk because of Coach John Gross, we appreciate you tuning in as well. For more WZIP Sports content, follow us on Twitter at WZIP Sports and check out our podcasts, SBT Rewind and SBT Overtime. For Alex Henry and Pat Weber in studio, to our whole crew at WZIP Sports, I've been your host, Jake Murrin. Be kind to one another, and we'll be back next week, same time and place, for more Sports Power Talk on 881 WZIP.